Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to the There It Is podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for listening. We have an absolutely great episode today. It is with prolific voice actor Vanessa Marshall. We talk about her work in things like the spectacular Spider-Man, the Guardians of the Galaxy animated things that she's done, the Star Wars animated stuff she's done, like Rebels, and also all of the video games. Well, we don't talk about all of the video games. There isn't enough time to talk about all of the video games that she's been a part of, but we talk about a few of them. And it's great, and you're going to learn so much about the industry from this episode, but you're also going to learn a good bit about how to treat other people, because Vanessa is a really amazing person. You could tell her kindness just listening to her talk to me, and she shares a couple of stories that really model how one should be in this line of work when they get a fan base and are working on things that have such a big fan base. It's a really great chat about the art form and more. So. Let's just get right to it. Here's my chat with Vanessa Marshall. I, like many of the listeners, have heard you a million times or seen you a million times, sometimes without even knowing it, since yeah. you've, done, you've provided your voice for so much work, whether it was TV, film, or video games. Yes. We have heard you. We have experienced your work in so many facets, too. Uh-huh. But you also come from a, a family of actors, including yes. your grandfather and your parents. So it's no wonder yes. you went into the profession. Yes. First, we should say who, who your family is. Well, yes. So my mom is Joan Van Ark, and she was on Knott's Landing mm-hmm. for 13 years. She played Valine Ewing. Yeah. And my dad is a, a legend. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> and my dad is a news reporter. And he was on KNBC here locally in Los Angeles for many, many years. Emmy award winning field reporter, you know, out there live. He looks like Art Garfunkel. And my and his father was an actor. I believe he was in a bunch of Cecil B. DeMille films as a as an extra or something like that. Mm-hmm. So he's got like he's been in loincloths and, you know, search very strange situations and I, I've never actually seen him in a film I've, I've not found the footage of my dad but of my father's father yeah. my grandfather yeah but yeah I guess it does kind of run in the family yeah <laughs> yeah and your your granddad had a great picture on his IMDb this is a really cool picture I don't oh. know what movie it's from but he is in some garb huh. you know some it's a really cool uh picture yeah, and it's John Marsilio, or because I well, think they his... list him as John Roy on IMDb. Oh, okay, yeah, that that that's what people call him, Johnny Roy. Yeah. Oh, okay. And... Yeah, he is. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, that's so awesome! Wow. Were you just surrounded a bunch as a kid around the industry so much? Yes, I guess so. You know, I can remember being 10 years old and Knott's Landing was filming up in Oregon. 
And I went up there and the woman, there was Lisa Hartman who played CG. Mm-hmm. CG, gotta love CG. I mean, just her name, CG. Right. I think she was dating like Paul Stanley or something. And it was just so bizarre to be sitting in a hotel. Baldwin played my mom's brother in the show and Julie Harris. Oh, I forgot played. that. Yeah. And Julie Harris was their mom. And I got to play my mom. My first acting gig, how I got my SAG card was playing my mom as a as a little girl in Knott's Landing. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. I basically had to sit in a chair with a doll and listen to my parents fight and cry. And the director said, if you cry, I will give you a Big Mac. <laughs> and so I was howling with grief <laughs> and people at the end they were just like she is a born natural and i got a mac so you know look whatever it takes whatever it takes just like yeah. the avengers but surely if there's food involved i'm down <laughs> i actually i had to change my background this is not my background and this is really cool <laughs> and your background is like a huge wall of books yes like what happened with the bookshelf up in here like there was just i know right Yeah, Yeah, that is strange because it's wall-to-wall books on, I mean, there are so many shelves, but then, yeah, there. (laughs) But the last background that I had, maybe I should have kept it, there, all the books were about food, one Mm -hmm. of which was about butter, which I fully support. And they were the kind of organized, all that organized color. And all of my friends who I Zoom with were like, we just never pegged you as one of those people who organizes their bookshelves. So I, I said, no, no, no. That, I'd have to have like 12 espressos to be able to accomplish that. But this is maybe more my kind of, I don't know. I have a, a Star Wars room that's my shelves are full of action figures more so than, well, actually all my books from college are behind the action figures. So, Oh, anyway. I'd love to see the uh, Star Wars room. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll have to figure out a way to do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have the, yeah, that'd be Something. awesome. I bet it's. You have the you have to have the coolest Star Wars room next to George Lucas. You've done some oh, Star well, Wars there's, stuff. There's some good stuff in there. There's some good stuff. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that so that that's basically that was my introduction to acting. Uh, mm-hmm. Big Mac situation. <laughs> and and yeah. did you already want to be an actor before that? No, like, what... I actually I used to watch the movie All That Jazz on repeat <laughs> about the life of Bob Fosse. And what I very much loved about the podcast that I listened to that that you had said that you had seen Prince and who he was impacted who you wanted to become. For mm. me, I for whatever reason, I was always very aware of this sort of hyper real kind of existentialism. Like I was reading Sartre at, at age 10 as well, mm-hmm. that, you know, we we're born astride the, dra- the grave or, you know, that that I, I remember my god brother turned to me at one point. He's like, you're going to work. You're going to go to school and then you're going to die. And and all that jazz was all about, you know, sort of reviewing your life and, you know, sort of all all the mistakes that were made and and the precious moments and and basically how precious life is. And for me, art is very healing and storytelling is is vital. So that film had a huge impact on me that I wanted to tell stories that would deal with those sort of crises of faith, if you will. And so that's pretty intense for a 10-year-old. But but I wanted to write, produce, direct stories for women, by women, 
like what's this little feminist? I I was a vegan at age 12. I, I was probably a complete nightmare for my parents, but, but I felt very strongly about all that. And even when I got to college at Princeton, I decided to, at first I was going to major in anthropology because there's all sorts of theatricality and ritual and, and there's something very sacred about theater. And I felt that, oh, I'll get at stories and, and healing and storytelling in that way. Then I went to the philosophy department. Then I, I ended up in the English department and I figured, well, you know what? I'll just read everything ever written and that way I'll be a great storyteller. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not really sure what that looked like. I am able to act all throughout Princeton. I was in Chekhov's plays, Shakespeare, Carol Churchill, Equus, this, that. I don't know. I mean, there were all kinds of things that I did in the theater community. But ultimately, I had hoped to become some sort of filmmaker and strangely ended up in graduate school for acting, getting a yeah. master in acting at NYU. And a dear friend of mine, Matt Rausch, very talented actor, he said, will you do a, a scene from Danny in the Deep Blue Sea with me and help me get into graduate school? And then I ended up getting in. And uh, I was like, this is not what I want. I actually applied to Yale directing school graduate. And they said, you need to go age 20 years. And I was like, no, I do not. But here we are. So I, I have a master's in acting from NYU. And when I got out of college, I started doing sketch comedy and stand-up comedy because I felt like there's, there's a way to reflect the culture, you know, standing oh, in front of yeah, I knew you did stand up. I was wondering yeah. why that. And you also did modeling around oh, the yeah. time, too. Like, I know. This is, it's just all over the place. But yes, <laughs> when, once I, I finished graduate school and I got back to Los Angeles and I was at a party, my theatrical agent had a party and I was at the buffet table eating. And at the time, I was about 50 pounds heavier than I am right now. And a guy came up to me and he said, You should model. And I said, What? With clay? Seriously, dude? And he's like, no, you you should be a plus size model. And I, I suddenly I walked into this world of women who are, you know, they're not anorexic and they're just sort of owning their power. And I mean, we have today we have Lizzo and, you know. Right. You, but back then. Yeah. No, back then there was no one to look to. Like you look. No. I look to Bob Fosse's story. Like we look to these things in our culture to figure out like what resonates with us and what pulls us forward to evolve. And I never, I mean, not one thing I will say about growing up in the entertainment industry here is that it was always about, you know, being thin. My mom right. was in an 80s soap opera. Right. You know, she's a size zero and I was very athletic. I wanted to be a football player. I, I like hockey. I like boxing. Like I, I didn't fit in here in L.A. at all. Yeah. And in the and 90s, I, you know, Friends is on. And when I, every once in right. a while, I'll see Friends on some syndicated some syndication of of friends yeah. and it's jarring yeah it's yeah. jarring because people yeah. i feel like the average person you see in television is not that thin well and so that's when i was trying to have an on-camera career and and while i did get discovered as a plus-size model and the more i ate the more i worked and it turned everything upside down that i had been schooled in which was to starve to death and wish you were Right. You know, skeleton or whatever for to be right. camera ready. Whereas now it's all about just being who you are and owning it. Right. That, that's not the case when I was trying to be an on-camera actress. Right. And when I did a one-woman show, it was a... It got fat. Was that the one-woman show? But it was yeah, that was that. Yes. And I did a bunch of different voices in that. And a uh, animation voiceover agent saw me in that. And I... 
she said, you know, you might want to try animation. I said, I would love to. And she said, come into our agency and, and I'll, I'll listen to you and I'll give you my honest feedback to see if you really, you know. So I went in there and I was so nervous that I literally, when they played, years later, they played back for me what I had recorded. You could hear my heart. Oh, wow. I mean, I literally was terrified. And and what but, do you think that was? Because you had done so much work by this point. Right? Yeah, but I don't, I didn't know how to work a microphone. I didn't understand oh. any, this is a whole other, it's like going from yeah. you know, pickleball to tennis. It's sort of like, uh, what? <laughs> hey, hold on. And, uh, or tennis to pickleball. I, either, either way, it's sort of like, wait a minute, what the hell's going on? Right. So there was technique and I had to take a lot of classes. However, at the end of it, she said, all right, now I'll just let you do a bunch of characters and, you know, let us see some range. And I think I did like, like a hundred really quick jokes as different people. And like her jaw fell to the floor and she was like, well, I don't know what the first part was, but that stuff, you're probably going to book. And they signed me. And that was wow. night. 1997 CESD. And that part I felt comfortable with. I felt comfortable, you know, joking around and being Doing a jack. Characters. Never. Yeah. Sure. And, and that's what I think that level of confidence, at least in that area, they thought like, wow, all right, well, I guess there's something there. And then I proceeded to take classes. I still take classes. I mean, we don't just like do the dishes and go, well, that was nice. It's like, we have to keep, you know, we don't go to the gym once and think, well, we're done. You know, we have to keep practicing these things. So that's why I to study and, and be in groups and stay limber and jazz. But anyway, so then I got into the voiceover stuff and they didn't care what I looked like. And that between accepting myself in the world of plus size modeling and saying, oh, you can be as large as you like and voiceover not caring what I look like at all. Right. I lost 50 pounds in there. <laughs> so plus size modeling career in the garbage can. But the voiceover stuff, I, I ended up getting a part on Law and Order. Yeah. Or no, Well, there was a Law and Order part in New York. But when I got back here to L.A., you did Scrubs. That's right. I was Becky. I watched that. you. Yeah, yeah. And that was the third ever episode of Scrubs. And you were <laughs> playing right. basketball. That's right. That's right. I can't believe you found that. That is that is some. Well, choice. it's my favorite show scrubs oh, and so i yeah. i distinctly remember i remember you. i went to the audition i was wearing an incredible hulk shirt and i love playing basketball i'm a total jock i i if i could live at the gym i should have been a gym teacher i i love working out i i said to a guy in the elevator today at the gym i said did you have fun he's like what i wouldn't call it fun <laughs> are you serious I, I, I if i could get a cot at the gym and work out 24 hours a day, I, I would 100 percent do it and i do martial arts and all this other stuff. Yeah. But yeah, so the scrubs thing happened. And at the time I was doing the legal tags for Culligan Water. And what that is, is like everywhere in America, it's like call Culligan 1-800-843-1234-1259-1783. You know, there were like 30 of them. And that's mm -hmm. so much money that my agent called me. He's like, while you're aging, waiting for the gaffer to get his shit together, you are hemorrhaging cash. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And he's like, you need to make a decision. You're doing really well in voiceover, but, you know, what's it going to be? I mean, you can't. Today, we would have had studios in our dressing room and we could have, right. you know, it's, a, but it was, again, it was a different time. And right. it, it wasn't quite as easy. If I was on set for 12 hours, I was on set for 12 hours and unavailable. And then they would just have to hire another Culligan lady, <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and I chose to do the voiceover stuff. And 
really lean into it. And I'm glad I did. I, I, Oh gosh. I mean, you're prolific. You're prolific with it. Well, I, again, I keep learning. So I, I, I tried to, (laughs) you know, have the heart of a rookie and, and just be very humble and grateful. And well, it's certainly, certainly the right attitude to have. And it's, it's definitely serving you well because you get in, you're in so many different things. I mean, it yeah. would be easier to say what you're not in than to say what you <laughs> have been in when yeah, it comes to your voiceover work, because I, I'm looking now and, and when it comes to TV, you have 78 different projects. They're, they're more than that, but that they list 78 because even IMDB probably stopped counting. Uh, and then there's the narration work you've done. You had additional voices in the Star, Star Wars movies like solo yeah. and rogue one and episode nine and then there are a ton of the animated things that you've been a part of and right. you've got a hundred and twenty some gaming video really? game vo- wow. yeah that's what you didn't even know here. That. yeah i mean 122 and wow. there's a ton of star wars things mortal Kombat. Cool. i mean if, if anyone who plays video games has heard you a dozen times well Jan Orr's in Knights of the Republic, I think, is one that people are familiar with. Olga in Metal Gear Solid, that's pretty. Mm-hmm. SOCOM so 2, I was HQ. That's a while ago. But I remember yeah. my, cousin, my cousin called me up. And she's like, I hate you so much. I said, why? She said, you're talking about a uranium cake 24 hours a day. My husband moved the PlayStation into the bedroom. She's like, shut up about the uranium. Yeah. yeah, sorry. Um, You're in a yeah. couple of James yeah. Bond games through I've, Crime Streets of L.A. I remember playing that. That was All the Mass Effects I'm in. <laughs> There's a Final Fantasy or two in here. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. And Injustice 2 and Black Canary. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yes, I played that. I've been you. Oh, no game. way. That's awesome. Yeah. Black people as, as Black Canary. Yeah. There's Mortal Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Mortal Kombat, is it 11, I think? And then the the most recent one that just came out, I got to play Sonya in that one. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm trying mean, to think some of the other franchises that are, are most it's a It's a Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Oh, yeah. Well, Marvel versus Capcom. I don't know. Do you play video? Well, you do play video I games. I do. Do you, do you play Street Fighter or... I have played Street Fighter. I don't regularly play it, and the, but I remember that Marvel versus Capcom game. Yeah, I it's got to super play Gamora. Fun. Yeah, I got to yeah. play Gamora, and that that was cool because at the time I was playing Gamora. Gamora the, on the animated. Um, yeah, I mean that's yeah. amazing. It's such a body of work. You know what's weird? First, I played Hera in Star Wars Rebels, which was the first iteration of you know when Disney had finally bought the franchise and that was like the first cartoon that came out 2014 or so and she was green and then i got gamora and guardians of the galaxy <laughs> and i played she hulk and there was another character in star trek the lower decks crazy funny cartoon and i think my character in that was green so if it's in outer space and the character is green <laughs> I, I think i I stand a, a really good shot for whatever, whatever it's worth. We need more green characters. Yeah. Uh, then I think I've played Poison Ivy as well. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. So much uh, work. Like I said, and there's one you... added when I when I originally wrote notes, 
It was 121 video game credits on your oh. MVP, and now it's 122. Oh, yeah, Midnight Suns, the new Marvel game, Midnight Suns. I play oh. Caretaker. Caretaker, she's this, like, oh, crotchety. She's very, <laughs> you know, she gives you all your orders. She kind of organizes the group, which is fun. I've tried to play. I'm learning how to play the video games. I just got a Twitch channel. and Oh, I a, fun. Yeah, I I got my playstation 5 and i'm i'm learning slowly but surely and you know i'm I'm grateful that people are patient with me i've had all kinds of tech issues like i don't know man i i feel like i need i need some sort of tech person to move in with me just so i could game 24 hours a day it would be awesome <laughs> it, it is riddled with learning live which is man not so much but whatever hey. what, I, what i like about it though again me being a fan of stories is that there are all these little stories that are being created and it is yeah. so much i don't think i've laughed as much or as hard as i have hanging out with my friends even when i watch my friends play on twitch there's a group of friends they're called the cyber nerds uh-huh. give them a follow uh the cyber nerds are amazing they're influencers over in the uk hopefully soon to come to los angeles and i i got them signed at cesd talent where i'm repped as well but they review video games and how i met them they were watching i think the season finale trailer or something like that for Star Wars Rebels and their reaction it went around Lucasfilm and everyone completely fell in love with them and if you look on my Instagram feed you can see there's an interview that Jay one of the cyber nerds just did with John Favreau and John said to him we've seen your videos and we love them we love how thoughtful you are. We love how much you care. And so anyway, they're they're actually streaming right now. And I'm not obviously on, but I just sit there and, you know, we we go back and forth on the chat and Call of Duty and stuff like that is a little on the violent side. Street Fighter, yeah. yes, it's violent, but it's campy. It's very, yeah, cartoonish. Yeah. Call and, of yeah. Duty, when you get like someone's brains that blow up on the screen, sure. it's kind of, hey, easy. Yeah, um, yeah. I can yeah. do the zombie but, part of yeah. Yeah, like I don't Call know, of Duty, buddy. but I don't love the uh, war it's, game. Yeah, yeah. too something. But my goal is to play all the video games that I'm in and live yeah. me sucking at playing all of them. Or, <laughs> or the 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 arc is that I learn and I become some badass video game. <laughs> Well, uh, what an angle. Who else is the voice of a bunch of characters well, in video games and has a Aaron, Twitch? I think Aaron Fitzgerald. Someone was telling me. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, someone was telling me. So I, I actually need to go follow her. But I'm trying. What I want to do is I want to get a, a posse of my my VA friends, a voiceover artist, and, um, you know, Courtney Taylor, Julie. And Troy ba- Baker in there. Yeah, Troy. Oh my gosh. You have to watch Last of Us this Sunday. He's in it. He's in it. Yeah. I saw that on IMDb. I said, oh, that's so great. Yeah. And I think um, so is why am I blanking on her name? I was just looking at her. Yes, there's Ellie. Yes. I'm I have not played The Last of Us yet, so I don't Mm -hmm. know who else is in it, but God bless Troy. He's hilarious. That guy, I mean, he's in everything. He's in so many great games. Yeah. Yeah. I'm beyond. So I mean, glad they put him in it. He, yeah. who, who else could play the Joker when right? they didn't get Mark Hamill to do it? You know, like, right, right. Mark Hamill was famously it for so long, even in the video games. And then there was right. this game where they, for some reason, changed everything. But who could, who could fill yeah. that role other than you know, Troy? And well, he crushed. He was great yeah. at it. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. So so anyway, I I am I think, you know, one of the things that I love about your podcast is that oh. you inquire like how people like sort of is there a mindset or habits or what procures work? And I gotta say that living in a state of joy and seeking that out, whether it's an improv class, a writing class, a pottery class, a a kickboxing class or getting a Twitch channel and getting inspired and engaged and, and creating a platform to inspire other women to, you know, amplify and give voice to others, mm. you know, feeling plugged in and creatively energized. I feel like that energy attracts at the end of the day work, but I think people want to be around people and near people in work situations and in other situations. But if you're really looking to procure work to keep that that internal flame going, I feel like that attracts work. Oh, wow. I mean, I've learned the hard way because there are times when I just kind of zone out and that, that you know, bodies in motion tend to stay in motion. So sure. if you want something done, give it to the busiest person. So slowing down sometimes I I can get kind of, I think in the pandemic that, happened to a certain extent. I think we all did. I have a question about that because I totally agree. I think the best work does come where it's come, coming from that place of joy and excitement. Yeah. For And passion for the work. I mean, the whole reason we started going into this sort of thing in, in the first place was because of that inspiration and that spark of joy. Right. It can be really hard to even think about that part when mm -hmm. you're struggling or you're in that hustle of fishing and you're trying to get work. So yeah. what advice do you have? Because you said that you learned the hard way. What advice do you have on how to keep that when you're in that headspace that's maybe even depressed? Well, you know, in a weird way, if someone says that they're lonely, I've heard people say, if you want a friend, be a friend. Right. So one could sit around complaining that they have no friends or they could put themselves out there and be a friend, suddenly you have friends, right? So it's kind of the paradox. You know, I can remember I hadn't been in a in a Disney cartoon in my entire, this was back in like 2010. And I said to a friend of mine, like, what is it about Disney that I don't understand? Like, what? Do, and I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to go take a, a workshop with one of the Disney casting people and find out, you know, maybe there are specific parameters that I'm unaware of. And I went to take that class and lo and behold, a year later, when it came down to the role for Hera for Star Wars Rebels, it was between me and two other women. And I wondered if having the willingness to go play in this class and learn and be curious, if that had anything to do with laying some kind of groundwork that had unforeseen consequences, because a year later, I was in two Disney things, the Guardians and also Star Wars Rebels. And so, and it's not a matter of manipulating people. And yes, there's an element of networking, but there's, I would say, if I had advice is is to feel stimulated and to always feel plugged in and taking classes and doing stuff like that creates that sense of playfulness, I think. And so I would recommend staying in that zone. Now in the pandemic, there was a ton of isolation. Right. And, you know, thank God for Zoom. I, I stayed plugged in. I, my home studio 
I suddenly had to take the monitor. Normally, I just go into my booth and I record and then go out and edit. But now there was a animated film, a Studio Ghibli film that I did, Earwig and the Witch is what it's called. I played Bella Naga, mm-hmm. the, a Studio Ghibli TV movie. But I was actually nominated for an Annie Award for it. And I almost didn't even read for it because I thought, oh, I can't, I can't pull this off. And I'm really glad that I did because it, it, it was a very challenging experience, but I had to do ADR and I had to move the monitor into the booth so that I could engineer and record at the same oh, time. Oh, wow. Wearing two different hats. And I thought, well, how can I possibly do that? Plus, you have to save the files. And, right. you know, I was on Skype and Zoom and this and that all at the same time. And I thought, oh, I, this is impossible. I yearned to just go to a voiceover studio and let the engineers do their magic and not concern myself with any of the pyrotechnics to just be in the moment and perform. The pandemic created all sorts of obstacles that we all overcame. But even though we were connected in cyberspace or whatever, it's, it just wasn't quite the same. And so I tried to, I've, I've written a TV show with some friends of mine and we're taking it out and pitching it. We started pitching it in November. You know, that was a way for me to stay connected, to stay feeling useful, whether I'm with people or not. And and I think when I go back into my voiceover booth, I have a level of confidence knowing that I'm firing on all cylinders. I I am creatively fulfilled and I I am responsible for this. And I have also found that if there isn't some sort of self-improvement work going on for me, if I get stymied in a relationship or, or have a resentment or feel put upon or betrayed or any of these sort of darker emotions, if you will, no one wants those associated with their, their water, you know, oh, or, or their whatever their product might be. And the thing with a microphone is that you can't lie in front of it, meaning mm. if my heart is hurt or I am angry or anything like that, I, I do a lot of journaling. I, I really try to get to the bottom of it. In the pandemic, I started doing yoga in the morning. I started, you know, having sort of a spiritual practice of like meditating and relaxing. And then at night, what has really helped me, and, and again, everyone has to find their own version of what works. But sure. what I do at night is I write a list of what pleased me in the day. Oh, you know, that's smart. Like I, I went to the gym, I reached out to this person, I checked on this person, I, you know, I did that charity thing I was supposed to, or I, I, I owned my talent. That's mm-hmm. half, of, you know, it, it, it could seem like, oh, actors are so egomaniacal. It takes a lot of humility to say, I deserve to be seen. I deserve to be heard. It really I would, does. I, w- I was invited here and I matter. And Mm -hmm. so I write down the evidence of me showing up for, you know, uh, Rob Paulson is an incredible voiceover guy. And I heard him say that when he gets up to the microphone, he says a prayer. He says, God, help me get out of your way. And when he does that, he's more successful. And really what it is for me, the way I view it is that I let the God in me express itself and, and remove my fear. Anyway, so what, when I wake up in the morning, I have what amounts to a gratitude list. Yeah. And, and in the morning, I, I read that gratitude list out loud to myself in the mirror. And I start the day with empirical evidence that I am getting better one day yeah. at a time and healing. 
Yeah. And it's taking stock of the good things that are happening. And that's the stuff that's so easy for people to overlook and not think about. And worry begets worry. And if middle of a pandemic and people are passing away, I had friends whose parents passed away in the very beginning. They were in New York and, you know, Javits Center is a hospital and it would be very easy to spiral into, you know, when I was Cloroxing my produce or whatever we had to do for a time there. When we, you know, I remember that one viral video of that dude who was like, this is the section for dirty shit. And, you know, here's where I, I spray everything with chlor. I mean, dude, how can you be like, thank you. I'm so grateful. Like, right. Oh, you right. Not, you know, but there's always something to be grateful for. And so anyway, those, those habits, I feel they've started in the pandemic. So much so that I'm about to start going back to conventions and doing autographs. Oh. There's an esports convention in Waco, Texas that I'm doing. I don't think it's been officially announced yet, but I, nice. I, I, yeah, I'm going. And I'm thinking about it and I'm like, dude, I, I don't have time to do all this crap on the road. Like, it's like a whole Broadway production in the morning, <laughs> just getting my brain together. You know, I'm like, I'm going to have to go back to just walking out the damn door. So on the one hand... I think I created these rituals to make myself feel safer or less alone. And and on the other, I don't want to become like OCD about them. That like, yeah, I right. have to do them before I can, you know, leave my hotel room. Like, I okay, it's time to get back. It's time to get back. So I don't know. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> yeah, I'll discover some other new way to greet the morning. Well, it adjusts. It can adjust. Yeah. And, and, you know, if. Taking a couple of days off is fine if you need to, as long as it doesn't sure. become a habit that, and then you exactly. never do it again. I guess that's yeah. the, the lesson <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I don't know what everyone's different version of that might look like, but just staying in tune and in touch and being kind of a jolly energy is is advisable because um, I yeah. think people, people want to work with individuals who are sort of relaxed and know who they are yeah. and can own that. And that's not egotistical. That's it's, it's just productive. It's just the way it is, too. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> kind of have to with purpose. Yes. Do the work. You know, yeah. you have to you have to do things with purpose. And that really requires a certain level of, well, I'm going to step up and do it. Yeah. I think uh, there are a lot of people who are uncomfortable with stepping up and doing it because they they think that it's arrogant, but it's not actually arrogant. But then right. they apply arrogance to the people who are stepping up and doing it. It's like, well, yeah. but they're not being arrogant. They are, someone's going to do it and it's fine to do it. We all agree that it's fine to do this work. So why is it suddenly not okay to step up like that and, and take on that maybe a leadership role in some cases, but maybe it's just like, like being your full self right? You know, and, right. and, and be, doing it with intention. Right. There's nothing wrong with that, in all honesty. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And and I think everyone gets to discover what what that means or what that looks like for them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's part of the fun of it. And also, you know, changing your mind, you know, right. let, letting whatever that look like shift given what's going on. I mean, who would have thought? Oh, it's just been such a crazy time. Yeah. Really crazy. Yeah. I want to ask you about the different kinds of roles that you've had because we were mentioning off air the narration you did for the tennis channel so that's that's sort of very straightforward yeah. voiceover work yeah. but then of course you've yeah. also played characters doing and 
animated pieces, but then also there's there's the video game work. What is how do you adapt to all of the different types of positions because they all can be very different from one another, not even just from a an acting standpoint, just from a technical doing it standpoint. Well, it was fun to work for the Tennis Channel because I would drive over there. It's like, I think it's in Culver City, if I'm not mistaken. And they would put me in a booth and I would have kind of one of those those sportscaster things on. You know, it was like earphones with a, actually kind of like what I use when I game. Oh, okay. And it was such a fun you know, that I would narrate between they would do Wimbledon or the various things. And, mm-hmm. you know, there was like the top 10 snafus or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> and that that was a lot of fun. It felt very sporty, if you will. And we're, there were other times where we did, in fact, get a studio uh, also over on the West Side. But that's, you know, you're you're kind of all by yourself. It's almost like there's pre-pandemic and pandemic realities that it, it all oh, kind of, interesting. it blends a little bit more together with animated series we normally for at least for star wars every tuesday or no we were thursday for star wars i think every tuesday we did guardians of the galaxy and the regulars would show up two to six every thursday mm-hmm. and we i would get katz's deli from new york delivered oh wow. on, yeah i like to eat a lot and and <laughs> We would we would like break dance and screw around and just act like idiots and eat really good food and we always finished early. Oh, and nice! We worked hard and we played hard and but now in the pandemic, that's not that has not happened in three over three years. Oh, and mm, everyone's yeah. in different places. It's very different, and mm. so. I would look forward to those times of going and, and hanging out. And that's why I would, you know, order Giordano's pizza or, you know, I would, I would try to make it as fun as possible, not knowing we were going to be on a lockdown eventually, but we had a really good time. And so now it is challenging to shift between, a, you know, another type of voiceover work that I do is radio liners. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm the voice of a bunch of Canadian rock stations. Oh, cool. North- Actually, for International Women's Day, Jack FM is becoming Jill FM. And for several years, I've done promos for them. That's always been by myself. But it's a a very different, like, rock and roll type of a read. Right. And I love working for them. But they they email me a couple pages of whatever it is, and I do three in a row of each paragraph and send it off. And they produce it on their end. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, that that's just a very different experience. And then, of course, right. the regular job of auditioning for everything where, you know, people say the audition is the job, like getting the right. job, the icing on the cake. But so all the prep work that goes into that and then shifting gears between commercial copy versus animated copy, heightened cartoon copy versus, you know, the more grounded video game soldier type energy. Yeah, right. Um, and then I guess like also another wrinkle is if it's an animated series, you're reading the script and yeah. and what they need. But if it's a video game, there's a script for the cutscenes, but then you also have to make the noises. Yes. <laughs> if it's like a fighting yeah. game, you gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There there's another game coming out that I actually play Wonder Woman in. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I think it comes out, is it, it might be this week mm-hmm. or next, next week. It's the Justice League Cosmic Chaos. 
There's Superman is Nolan North. Oh, so cool. Yeah, Batman is Diedrich Bader. I'm Wonder Woman. Josh Keaton is Flash. Let's see, there's there's all sorts of really cool. What a cast. Yeah, but we do the lines wild. And then at the end, it's like a light damage, uh, you know, punching, right. kicking. You know, we sort of cover every possible thing. You know, as I play Street Fighter and I hear them like, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. I'm just going like, wow, good work, good work. Yeah. <laughs> From an acting standpoint, do you have to take a different approach from acting in video games versus acting in like an animated series or, or movie? Well, it the styles are very different. Like uh, Rick and Morty is a little bit more heightened. Right, which you've been, uh, you were on Rick and Morty. As, yes, uh, I'm Ruth Bader Ginsburg on one of them. <laughs> but, you know, there, there are some really wacky shows. Like there was a show called Pig, Goat, Banana, Cricket, and I think I played... Meriwether Pizza Gut, the news reporter, and uh, she was reporting on the Chocolopolis, like the chocolate apocalypse or something. I don't know. It was very, very over the top. And <laughs> then, you know, the video games are so much more grounded and mm -hmm. cinematic and real. Uh, when I watch the Call of Duty games that my friends play on Twitch, it's so intimate. Yeah. You know, when they're underground. Because it's first person, too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's very focused and calm and not hammy or overactive. You know what I mean? It's just it's just different True, levels yeah. of energy. Yeah. That's interesting. And not to jump around too much, because you've, you've just played so many roles. <laughs> and part of the thing about playing so many roles is you've had the chance to play some characters that had many iterations or or interpretations mm -hmm. so how do you approach roles like that to find new avenues to explore and portray the character i kind of think of each one as sort of an archetype and i think of how those elements live within me and try to amplify them okay so that it is authentic but yeah, to go from the outside in, like, how do I make this mine? I get into trouble. But if I go from the inside out and think about specificity and stuff like that, it 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 tends to be uniquely born out of who I am. And that specificity, I think, is palpable and makes a difference. Mm. So, you know, Wonder Woman, for example, has been played by several different people. Right. Even Black Canary. Yeah. And there are different versions. I mean, like Wonder Woman in the new Harley Quinn show that I'm in on HBO Max, it's really broad. She's Wonder Woman, but she's meant to offset. Harley has obviously more of a, she's more of a derelict and kind of a, yeah. you know, a, a spunky little, I don't even know what you want to say. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's not safe for work. Let me just put that up there. Not safe for work, people. And so Wonder Woman is more of a comedic foil. Oh, interesting. And uh, I got to play, what else did I play? There were a few other characters that I got to play. Tony Hale was in it. I don't know. But that's very different than, say, mm -hmm. Red Sun, which I, I played, which actually was more about Superman. But that, the DC animated films that I've done, Justice League, Crisis on Two Earths, uh, Flashpoint Paris, those were, were much more deathly serious Wonder Woman action. Right, right. So in other words, I had to locate different 
different versions. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then obviously the directors are suggesting what the tone of the show is and mentioning totally. what the tone of the show is to help you along with it. Yeah, exactly. A lot of these characters you've played, you've played a number of characters that mean a lot to people. And of course, the Star Wars, Star Wars, you have a Star Wars room. Obviously, Star Wars means a lot to you. Definitely. And, and these characters, they're such a big part of our culture. <laughs> well, how does that impact you when you're taking on these roles that, that mean so much to people? Well, it impacts me pretty deeply. I think from the standpoint, coming from sort of a theater background and having a deep respect for, I think, our inherent need to sort of sit in a circle and learn together through storytelling, mm -hmm. I feel honored to embody those characters and those characteristics. I feel equally as close to them because I am also a fan. I would say that one of the greatest things in terms of being a part of the Star Wars universe is the number of friends, lifelong friends I've made who attend the convention, Star Wars Celebration, and so on and so forth. Different journalists for, you know, Eric Goldman, Amy Ratcliffe, like all, all these people, Teresa Delgado, they're dear friends and they will be forever and ever. And we, I feel like we've bonded in a way. There's a family that I met at WonderCon, the Rogue Rebels. They're on all sorts of social media, but they cosplay as the characters in Star Wars Rebels. And they, they are family to me. Mm -hmm. I've watched their kids grow up and I, I would take a bullet for them. I mean, it's yeah. no... Like, it's not some like, oh, we're friends. Like, no, dude, I would a hundred grand. Like, if they needed anything, I would be there and in, in a heartbeat. And oh, I know that long is mutual because they have been there for me. And in the pandemic, we would meet, all meet on Zoom. And uh, many of the things that I have in my Star Wars room are gifts from fans at these conventions. And I, there was one woman in Florida who waited outside overnight to give me, my character has these long green brain tails and she waited overnight to give them to me. And when she handed them to me, I just started sobbing oh. just because, I mean, that is such an act of, of true kindness and yeah. thoughtfulness that touched me so deeply. I knew I was operating in a different universe now Yeah, that, that we, we, we are friends and, you know, Man, I and I just like I love seeing her succeed. She does all kinds of cosplay stuff. I think her handle is Jedi for cosplay. I'll have to find it. But the woman's name is Allison Berrios, just to put her name out there. But she's become so successful and her son is adorable. Aww. Oh, here it is. Cosplay for Jedi. There it is. There it is. <laughs> I love her. Yeah. She's so sweet. Look at her. Oh, my God. I don't know if you can see. Uh, she has a very sweet face. Yeah, she's wonderful. <laughs> well, I know that this is true because I've already experienced the kindness that you've shown me. And, and oh. it, you've been so kind to me. So I know that you truly mean what you're saying to about these 100%. Yeah. These characters clearly mean a lot to you and getting to play them clearly means a lot to you. And I also know this because I know that you fainted when you got cast as Mary Jane for the spectacular yes. Spider-Man. That's true, I right? I did. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I was so grateful. I was doing a Honda commercial, the legal tags at the end of a, a Honda thing. 
and uh, got a call from my agent and she said, is this Mary Jane? And I was like, what? <laughs> no. Oh, and I, I completely fell over. My knees went out from it. Yeah, they, these, these characters, they do mean an awful lot. And I feel very blessed to be able to not only tell these stories, but also, you know, like I'm, I can't wait to watch The Mandalorian. Huge fan of The Bad Batch. I was in the last season of The Bad Batch on Disney+. Oh, Plus. cool. We watched uh, Mandalorian already, and it was did great. You? Oh, the first yeah. episode was great. I cannot wait. I can't wait. Yeah. Oh, I love, I love Grogu. Yes. Yeah. I love what they're doing with that show in general. You know, like, yes. it's, I think they've done an amazing job with that show and I really dig it. Yeah. I agree. Or what other roles would make you faint if you got it? Um, hmm. Well, you know, it would be interesting if my, well, I've always wanted to play Jean Grey. That would be crazy. Oh, you would be great. As, you know, for voiceover. But if my career took a turn into the world of on camera, that would be, that would be interesting, I think. Yeah. You know, I think that would be really, really cool. Yeah. But, you know, I see it. Yeah. The only thing is, it's kind of, um, I don't know, there's a whole, there's a whole other level of needing to, you know, drive to Santa Monica dressed as a chicken by three o'clock in rush hour traffic. There's a, there's that element of things where I'm just like, oh, I don't know if I dress can. Dressed as a chicken. That. Is that to like throw people well, off or what you're like, what no, people are you know, you like you have to go as a nurse or like they're just I don't know. There's just a level of like there's a lot of driving around, you know, it's seems like pursuing an on camera career. There's a lot of footwork that goes into it. So, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like, you know, you have an on camera agent, you get headshots, you do much the same way. People are like, oh, I want to do voiceover. I can read English out loud. Let's go. And it's sort of like, oh, dude, you, you know, you have to pay for a commercial demo an animation demo yeah. you know there's there's a lot that goes into it it's not quite as simple and but i mean it's doable mm -hmm. i could pursue on camera acting again but when when i think of all the heavy lifting that that would have to happen i'm just kind of like oh dude i don't know if i, I don't know if i cut that in me yeah i hear you i mean but the tv show that we're pitching they want me to act in it so in that scenario if i'm a writer producer on a show and i can you know give myself a role on the show, that would be the happy accident that I'm describing that would make me faint. Oh, cool. Well. Yeah. The other the other version of me hitting the pavement and doing all that again, I don't see that happening, but I do see, I I know I could do it and I knew I, I know I would do well at it, but some sort of happy scenario where it, it, it was just meant to be and and it, and it just occurred, I would be all over that and that would definitely make me faint. Well, I hope those things happen. And if you faint, I hope someone catches you so you don't I'm hit your sure. head. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> well, let's create something together. This has been such a fun chat. And you've, yes. you've already given so much good information and, and, and advice. <laughs> I, I don't know what we could create together offhand. I was, one thing I was wondering was maybe how someone could, because I'm trying to put myself out there for voiceover work and I'm not mm -hmm. landing anything and I'm not sure if it's, the recordings they don't like or if it's yeah. i'm not doing a good enough job or something so maybe a coaching creation could be what we do here of like what sort of advice you could give to landing work other than the great advice you gave earlier of finding well, the joy i would 100 percent recommend that anyone go to d bradley baker's website i want to be a voice actor.com 
And on there, you'll find everything you need to know from agents to agencies, to union stuff, to non-union, to creating demos, to even practice exercises, to how to construct a home studio on a budget. You know, all sorts of different strategies are located on that website. And anyone who comes to me and says that they want to get involved, I say, go to that site, poke around. And if you have any questions, get at me and we'll and we can talk further. But that place is such a resource for everything that if I were to say anything, it would be redundant. If you just go to the site, you would have it all at your fingertips. So that that's my number one. If we're going to (laughs) co-create how to to book voiceover work, I would say go to the website. It's all free. Okay. He created it because so many people ask him, how do you do this? And he decided to create this to answer it once and for all. And he builds it out constantly. And in the pandemic, he developed a whole section about how to do a home studio. And he's he's amazing. Okay. Okay. I, I Another question came to mind, another thought or idea came to mind, because you're such a, a great voiceover actor. What is your favorite voice, like the sound of the voice that you use to create the character? What was your favorite? And did you give us a snippet? Well, yes, I was in a show called Final Space and I don't, I don't know. And that was how many years ago now? I've lost all sense of time (laughs) because of the pandemic. That was 2019 to 2021. Oh, okay. Well, it seems like a billion years ago. (laughs) I bet. Yeah. 2020 feels like ages ago. Yes, uh, but Final Space had this sort of villain character in it, and he talked like this. And that was so much fun to do, mostly because no one expects that sound to come out of a woman. <laughs> but I, I also loved working on that show just in general. It was uh, The character's name was Invictus. Yes. And- it was a hoot. You'd go ahead and check it out. You'd be surprised, you know, like, oh, my God, that's Vanessa. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you've, I, when I was looking at your IMDb, I, uh, there are all these different voices, additional voices. You don't you don't right. see what the additional voices are in the Star Wars things, but it's got to yeah. be those different alien voices in the background when people sure. are showing yeah, up somewhere. Some of them. Yeah, some of them. <laughs> you also yeah. you played a Boy Scout in an episode of. Hot in Cleveland, in, in Hot in Cleveland, oh, you played a Boy right. Scout. You were the yes, voice I, of a Boy yeah. Scout. Well, I can't remember what he said, but I'm pretty sure he sounded a little bit like this. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, this, the depth of, of what you can do with your voice is so amazing. <laughs> I, I remember, let's see, there was, I'm trying to think of some of the other sort of random voices that were, that were fun <laughs> to do. And when you're doing, and, and maybe we'll end with this. When you're doing voices for Star Wars and you're just trying to populate the world with the alien voices in the bars that they show up to or the katanas. Yes. What, how does that go, come about when you're recording? What, they, do they throw you ideas or do you just say, like, what about this? Oh, or, we like, just kind that... of mess around. I don't know. We just, we just mess around and, and, and mostly try and make each other laugh. I, I don't know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> If you were directing me to do an additional voice in Star Wars, how would that go? 
Well, I guess it would depend on what alien race you were, if you were Jedi, Sith, if you, Ooh. yeah, they're just, there, there are a number of factors. I would, I would sort of get at it historically. And then of course, if you're in something and you have to give three different voices, I would strategically say, why don't we place this one in your lower register? We'll place this one in sort of in your mask nasally. And then maybe we'll do one. that's just your regular speaking voice just to differentiate the three. Okay. 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 And then, and then you just say kind of whatever to make. Well, whatever the script is. Oh, um, so they are giving you a script even for the background stuff. Oh, for background aliens, there's about 10 of us. And, you know, there's, there's three beeps. And then after the third beep, you count what would be the force. And then, you know, just make crazy sounds. I don't know. Just oh, go really? for it. Yeah. <laughs> just play. You can just do whatever yeah. you just react. And they're like, all right, that works. Yeah. You're a yeah. droid in the background. I'm trying to remember which movie it was, which Star Wars it was, but we played these little these little pigs that were like <laughs> and there were these little baby pigs. Well, they weren't pigs, they looked like pigs, like piglets. And we just sat around crying like little pigs. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun <laughs> well this sounds like the best work to do uh everyone I definitely <laughs> yeah, yeah for sure everyone, everyone could find some joy if they were able to do that sort of work but so yeah. great talking to you there it is thanks so much for being on the podcast Vanessa thank you you're amazing you're amazing you rock thank you so much for doing this <laughs> thank you Oh my gosh, she's so kind. She's so great. Thank you, Vanessa, for doing the podcast. And we have a link tree for her in the description, or as I like to say, bio. You can follow her on Twitter at Van Marshall, on Instagram at Vanessa Marshall 1138, and on Facebook at Vanessa Marshall Fan Page. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at There It Is Pod. And subscribe to our YouTube channel at There It Is. And follow me on Twitter at Jason Far Jokes and Instagram at Jason Far Picks. Also subscribe to our comedy lifestyle newsletter and support us if you can. We have a Patreon and a PayPal. Go to thereitispod.com for newsletter and support info. Links in bio. We have a great episode coming up next week for all you people who love to submit to festivals. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. (laughs) 